Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is the show for entrepreneurs and for small businesses, the people that are going to kickstart this economy and create new jobs that are skilled and for the 21st century. Another magnificent day in Southern California. And uh, before we start, I went out this morning um, as a guest of Real Madrid, who are playing the Galaxy in Los Angeles on, uh, on Thursday, and went to a closed um, training session, which was fantastic. And I'd just like to say thanks to Javier for... Um, for inviting us out there and also for the tickets for the game on Thursday night. I'm really looking forward to it. Now, on this program, we try to inform small business owners and startups like yourselves about every aspect of business to enable you to be successful. This is your show. We want you to let us know what you'd like us to talk about and in turn, we'll show you how to avoid making the same mistakes that people like me who went before you made. So let's begin the program with 10 failure avoidance strategies that I think will work for every startup. Records show that over 80% of startups fail within the first 12 months. So if you're a startup or an early stage business, you should play pay close attention to um, these points because they just might save your business. I've been involved in quite a number of startups over the years, and I think in every interest, in every instance, we've made a plethora of mistakes. Fortunately, all of the startups I've been involved with have had very experienced people behind them, and yet we still made mistakes. Luckily, none of these mistakes were success killers, but nevertheless, they cost us time, energy, and money. Since eight out of every 10 startups fail before they even get started, there's an, an even longer list of failures with mistakes that you don't see or don't ever get to hear about. It's very important to recognize and acknowledge that these failures, you, you've got to learn from them so that you don't repeat them. And then using these determine strategies so that you don't dwell on the failures but you move forward. So let's talk about a number of practical actions that can help you become one of the two in 10 startups that do become successful. Now, I work with startups every day, and I have a number of basic strategies to help me guide the ship around the rocks. So these strategies will not help you if another entrepreneur has a better product or if the entrepreneur does not listen to advice. In my experience, one of the major reasons startups fail is because of the ego and the arrogance of the entrepreneur. Most entrepreneurs don't get it that a great idea or product is only 10 to 15% of the battle to be successful. So even if the entrepreneur is the world's greatest expert in that 15%, there's still 85% that he or she needs to take advice about. So here goes with some of my thoughts on how not to be one of the eight out of ten failures. Firstly, you must develop a comprehensive business plan and subject it to very vigorous scrutiny. 
too many entrepreneurs that I've come across wear rose-colored glasses when they're creating a business plan. And the most critical areas to look at are evaluating your competition, anticipating changes to the potential customer, potential regulatory customers, and how your competition will react to your initiatives. It amazes me just how many entrepreneurs look at the market as it is and assume that the competitive environment will stay consistent. It is really important to have people with product, marketing, legal and financial experience try to rip your business plan apart. If it stands up to that scrutiny, then you're off to a good start. Secondly, make sure that you surround yourself with a wide variety of experts. It is amazing how many people will help you to get started without wanting anything in return. We always seek out the absolute best people to get involved with the business. You know, we make them a proposal when initially you've got no money, but you can make them a proposal to get involved, um, potential, give them shareholding, undertake to pay them a monthly stipend once you get funding. And it's amazing how many people will come in and help you. Resist that ego urge to go it alone or convince yourself that you're smarter than your competitors. And if there's one thing that probably 90% of entrepreneurs will tell you is that to get any project off the ground, it always seems to take twice as long, it's twice as hard, and it always, for some reason, seems to cost three to four times more money than you expected. So it's important that you ensure that when you determine your funding requirement, that you cost it correctly in the first place and have a good, solid contingency in place. The more vigorously you have evaluated your business plan, the more accurate your funding estimates are likely to be. Don't tailor your funding requests to what you feel is a reasonable ask, because once you get this funding and you're looking for additional funding, it can be so much more difficult to get. So ideally, you should ask for 50% more than you think you'll actually require. And, you know, if your project stacks up, people won't be deterred by the amount of money. So don't think, oh, gee, it's got to be easier to get half a million than it is to get a million or to get a million rather than two million. That is often not the case. It's often easier to get more money than less money. You know, it's amazing how many people forget to include a whole bunch of things in their costings. And most people tend to cost on the low side. You'll also be surprised just how fast the cash disappears once you get it, and it's very difficult to recover from severe cash flow problems. Now, once the money comes in, then you start to spend it on things that you didn't budget for simply because it's there, and then you find that you run out. Fourthly, you've got to continually refine your business plan and your strategy. You know, circumstances change, some things you try fail, and then you need to modify your approach. Often you'll find that your business model simply doesn't work. So no matter how smart you are, you need to assume that 25%, maybe 50% of your initial strategy will be wrong. The majority of startups that I've worked with have changed or modified their target market and the way they've gone about their business several times during their rollout. Many of them have also made significant changes to their product. So you need to be on the ball every minute. You need to listen carefully to as many people as possible and you need to be flexible. And you need to look out for those things that you couldn't have anticipated or a new competitor with a better mouse trip trap or even an existing competitor that's prepared to throw the kitchen sink at you simply be so that you'll fail. Uh, I once had an experience where a competitor simply gave away their product that they used to charge good money for. They just kept giving it away for free until such times as we couldn't afford to stay in the game. So once you get into the big league, particularly if you take on major players, it can get really dirty out there. Once you get funded, Money disappears really quickly, as I mentioned before. And one of the most important tasks for a CEO is to watch every single penny. If it's not in the original budget, then it needs to be reviewed very carefully. And unless it's a game changer, then don't 
authorise the payment. If you're the CEO, then you must personally take control of dispensing the money. Make sure that you don't delegate this task to anyone, not even an accountant. Do it yourself. Try to barter every single thing that you can. Try to get work done for free or for an in-kind arrangement. One company that I was involved with had over 120 items that would normally have to be bought. They had them either donated for free or bartered. This saved us an absolute fortune in the precious commodity of cash. You should also try to do everything you can in-house using both any staff that you may have and your outside experts, consultants like me, and specialists, including accountants, can end up costing you a substantial amount of money. The sixth point to remember is to make sure from the day you begin to start to build intellectual property, register your company, reserve the company name as your website domain name, reserve the same names on the leading social networks and blogs. You know, the the patent process is one time when you really do need a professional, even if it's just for the advice. You may choose not to patent and to keep your IP as a trade secret, but you need the best advice possible. And don't forget to register those trademarks and copyrights. The seventh important consideration is that you will succeed by selling your product or service. Business is about selling stuff to people. And a lot of people seem to forget that. It's all about sales. You know, you can have the best business in the world. You have the best accountants in the world. You have the best business planners in the world. If you don't sell some bastard something, the accountants have got nothing to count and the business strategists have got nothing to strategize about. So it's all about making a sale. And it's critical to determine a very clear strategy to capture your target market at the lowest possible cost. With the exciting opportunities now offered by the web in general and social media in particular, you do need to engage an expert, not some wanker who thinks he's an expert, and there's lots of them around, but one whose credentials and experience really do stack up. One of my friends, who really is one of the best in the world at social media strategy, says that 999 out of every 1,000 social media experts don't have a clue what they're talking about. Remember back in the old days with, um, with your computers, everybody was a computer expert and you'd have them around and they'd fix your computer and five minutes later they'd be screwed again. Well, we're in the same situation again with um, social media until it sorts itself out. The eighth point I'd like to offer is it would be hugely beneficial to get some practical experience in a business that's similar to the one that you're starting. It doesn't matter how bloody smart you think you are, Every business has nuances that can throw you. When you're an entrepreneur building a business and using investors' money, there is no learning on the job. You need as much experience as you can possibly get. Now, my penultimate piece of advice is that once you get up and running, you will have incredible demands on your time. You won't have time to do all the things that are asked of you. You have to focus on the most important things first, and most important means anything that will get your business to market the fastest, will enhance your customer service, will increase your efficiency, or lower your cost, or will give you an advantage over your competitors. Remember, business, you don't have a business just because you have an office or a factory and a door and a phone and a secretary and a receptionist. You have a business because you sell some bastard something. It's also critical that you both communicate well with your team and that you delegate and empower. I've seen the smartest people on the block fail because they think they can do it all. Finally, you must be passionate, enthusiastic about your project and be prepared to give it almost 24 hours a day. Success takes total commitment. However, there is nothing more rewarding or invigorating than becoming an entrepreneur, controlling your own destiny, having the flexibility to change anything that isn't working, creating better solutions, 
chasing customers, nailing that first deal. But having a great product really is only 10 to 15% of the battle. 15%'s the money, and the other 70% is your strategy and your ability to run a business and manage people. Don't forget that. Now, we get a lot of emails here at the Bob Pritchard Show, and I'd love to hear from you. So don't forget to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. Tweet me at the Bob Pritchard. Join me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Google+. Send me a bloody carrier pigeon. I don't give a rat's ass. Contact me in any way that takes your fancy. Just please don't ignore me. And if you'd like to book me for a presentation for your business conference, drop me an email. I guarantee I will fire up your team and you will get results like you've never had before. I've got two fantastic guests on today. And I'll be back in a moment with my first guest. This is Bob Pritchard. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is the segment of the show where we talk to people who have achieved fantastic success in their life, and we see if we can work out what makes them tick and what lessons that we can learn that will make us all more successful. As I've mentioned a couple of times before on this program, I belong to an incredible group of achievers called Metal in Los Angeles. And one of my colleagues is my first guest today. Now, I meet lots of very successful people, but how about this for a resume? Well, let's begin with a question. What do the Simpsons, Battlestar Galactica, the Muppets, Korn, Robert Palmer, and Dr. Doolittle have in common? The answer is my friend Richard Gibbs. Richard has scored over 60 feature films that cumulatively have grossed well over $1 billion. That's an extraordinary amount of money. And you'll remember the epic score for Queen of the Damned and his musical Sounds of Space that helped propel Battlestar Galactica to such huge success. He also set the sounds of The Simpsons. And if that's not enough... As a keyboardist, Richard has recorded with Robert Palmer, Tom Waits, Melissa Etheridge, who I love to bits, and War, among hundreds of others. He's also performed live with people like Korn, Chaka Khan, and Tom Jones. Richard's beyond state-of-the-art woodshed recording studios in Malibu overlook the Pacific and attract people like Sting, Pink, Cher, and Lenny Kravitz. I told you it was a hell of a resume. Blimey. Hi, mate. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Show. Hey, Bob. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Now, you began as a rock musician. So what, what motiv- motivated you to become a musician in the first place? Well, when I was a kid, uh, I just loved music. I loved how it made me feel good when when I should be feeling bad, and I wanted to be able to repeat that magic for other people. 
you know, most people I know, most rock musicians I know say they did it for the girls, but uh, <laughs> I, I was too young at the time to real to realize that motivation. Yeah, I was a rock muso as well, and I started when I was 13, and uh, I gave up when I was about 30 because I realized that it was a bloody hard way to make a dollar unless you were mega successful. So you then, um, somehow, in the middle of, you became a fabulously successful film composer. What, what were the steps? What happened? How did you go from being a muso to a film composer? Well, I studied, um, I, I achieved a classical degree in composition at Berklee College of Music in Boston. And part of that training was uh, some classes I took in film composition. Mm. And it was always in the back of my mind, I've always loved um, film score. And I just thought it was something that I would do when I, you know, when I hung up my touring spurs and... Um, so I figured I'd start when I was 50, but it came calling much sooner than that. <laughs> so it, it was always there. Um, how it happened specifically was um, kind of unexpected. Somebody just called me up because they knew of a film that the director didn't want to hire a composer, per se. He wanted somebody to make arrangements of existing songs. Right. And So they needed somebody that had a sense of what was necessary, but also had experience um, in song production and so on. And yeah. I happened to fill the bill, and I, I did. It was a movie called Sweetheart's Dance, and I had a great time with the director, Robert Greenwald, who is now more famous than anything for his politics and what he does. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, that, that was the beginning, and that led to The Simpsons, The Tracy Ullman Show, and a bunch of other work. Now, people don't realise, or most people don't realise, how significant and how important music is, the music score is, because if you watch a movie without the score, if you, it, it makes an incredible difference, building suspense, create, creating the colour of the scene. It's all about the music, isn't it? Well, it can be. Yeah, certainly. I, I um, happen to have the privilege of being at a lunch with Aaron Sorkin, and he said something to the effect that his job was to tell the story, uh, but the composer's job was to make, to give the emotions to the story. Yeah, and I think and that's. Yeah. I think it's pretty accurate, and and it's uh, it's a great job. It's a fun job to have. I'm, I, I, you know, I meet people in all walks of life, and, um, you know, I fantasize from time to time about. You know, being a policeman or something, you know, but. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, you know, for a minute. But, you know, <laughs> but I, I don't, you know, I would never give up the baton. I love what I do. Yeah. So things have changed, I guess, um, over the past few years and I think it depends who you talk to I was speaking to the uh, chairman of um, Warner Brothers on this show and he said you know the record companies have never made so much bloody money they're killing it it's, and the musos have got it better because there's so many more outlets for them to um, to be able to get their um, music aired and if it catches it really catches but if you're an up and coming musician today would you want to get back would you want to come into the business now with the, with the state of it and, and the unbelievable competition for example on YouTube well you know every once in a while I'll speak at uh, you know in classrooms and colleges around the country and talk about some people will ask me is this a good time to get into the music industry will there be a job for me when I graduate and my 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 short answer is you're really screwed no it's a terrible time but on the other hand it's a great time uh, if you're inventive and you're willing to to create how you're going to get to your audience. You can't just simply write and compose, you know, compose and produce great music. You have to know how to reach out to an audience. You don't have there, there's so many avenues, as your friend was saying, yeah. to do that that it's uh, it's daunting. But at the same time, there are fantastic opportunities. It's you know it, what it, the biggest difference to me what I see is that. What used to be, um, a, you know, a, um, a certain number of artists would always would have be able to make great money. Uh, but now it's there's more money overall, yeah. but it's spread out. It's spread much thinner against a, a, a huge palette of, of musicians. Yeah. So sure. it's harder, I think, for the individuals to make the money. Yeah. Well, you know, it's hard 
to be a musician these days, but it's bloody hard to become a fireman or a plumber or get a job anywhere these days. So I guess you've got, um, if you're creative and you're talented, you've actually got um, fantastic uh, vehicles to to get yourself out there now. Well, yeah, and that's um, with that in mind is why I, I've started. I'm well, I'm watching other. Uh, record companies collapse and seeing all the problems and having been signed to record. I was part of a band called Oingo Boingo. Yeah. And <clears throat> Boingo, you know, what I, I saw firsthand what it's like to be basically a middle class band hmm. uh, signed to a major label. We were signed to A&M and I saw how the, the politics, how the economics, how the, uh, how the business works. That whole way of doing business pretty much collapsed. I mean, the middle-class band is gone. <laughs> yeah. You know, and now it's it's either, you're either pink or you're an indie. Yeah. And yep. the middle-class middle, middle class where you have a record company that's going to feed you and help you get through that process, they don't, they aren't really in that business anymore. So that's the business that I'm looking to leap into with, um, with a new eye. This is Invisible Arts. Invisible Arts is the name of the company I'm, um, starting it up with it, it's a full service company we're approaching it basically uh, we're approaching it you know I'm an artist first and foremost so I'm approaching it from the point of view of an artist and I've uh, collaborating with two other people to start it a woman named Jolene Pallant who was the vice president in charge of marketing for Live Nation uh-huh. so she's got the you she, know, the live promotion down well she's got and, that pig uh, yep Yep, and uh, Mike Gormley, who used to manage yep. Boingo, and that's how I met him, and also a metal guy, and yep. was VP at A&M Records and managed uh, us and the Bangles and was instrumental in getting the careers of people like Rod Stewart and the police started. Yeah. So we've got a lot of uh, experienced heads coming together, but doing it in a totally different way. Yeah, instead just of. Get- I was just going yeah, to mention that. Um, in any business, I, I say on this program all the time that in any business, doesn't matter what you are, doesn't matter whether you're a plumber or what the hell you do, you have to be different. You have to find a differentiation point from your competitors or you're just another me too and you'll disappear into the ether. So how, how do you plan? Or, I mean, why is um, Invisible Arts different than the multitude of other um, typical record companies around well for starters we aren't calling it a record company because okay. it that's a um that's just become to me a dirty word and to a lot of people a dirty word okay. and not not that it should be but it is yeah it this is we're we're an arts and entertainment cooperative and that word cooperative is very important here we don't sign artists to us and then they are indentured servants to our company. That's not the approach. The approach is more that the artists are our clients and we are helping them and they are free to go when they want to go, but we plan on making this so enticing for the artists that they will never want to leave. Right. And we, we have, um, the artists will be working with each other and it might be say that, let's say one of the artists is a, uh, not only a great singer, but a fantastic graphic designer well, maybe she will end up uh, designing the artwork for the promotion campaign for the next band that we sign, and maybe the drummer in that band plays on another artist's record and and so on. Everybody's working together, and everybody has a little piece of everything that goes on. So everybody's working together as opposed to working against each other. Yeah, and that's important because... um Musicians, I speak to a lot of musicians who sort of feel lost and are not quite sure where to go next. Or, and this is sort of like a, a whole management of your career. That's great. Now, being a great talent's one thing, but um, being successful as a business person is much more challenging. What makes you think that you know how to run a business, or what is it that you do that has made you successful? Well, as a business the, person. Well, I. I um I was uh, asked to be a mentor for this uh, organization called the Founders Institute, and I was actually, frankly, a little puzzled as to why I was asked to be a mentor for a business group. And I sat there and listened to everybody else speak, all these very experienced businessmen talk about how they did what they did, how they created their companies, and how they built them up, and 
at first I was, you know, in awe of everything they were doing. But the more they talked, the more I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute I just need to substitute words. Yeah. And I realized I've probably started about 50 or 100 very successful businesses in my time, but we called them bands. Right. And instead of, you know, it's it's the same basic organizational approach when you start a band as you do when you start a company. And yeah. it's the same mindset. It's just substituting out different words and and a different product, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's... um identifying the market and um but it's it's being able to get your message out there that's the hard part these days um, and being able to and being able to run an organization basically sure. every time i score a film i'm you know i'm putting together a company of anywhere from 100 to 125 people that are all working under my aegis and and they all have to i you know i'm responsible for what all these different people do be it a violinist or a music editor or a runner or an engineer yeah True, and a lot of egos. <laughs> well, hopefully not. Yeah, I read I read an article about you debating a member of the European Parliament, and I understand it was also broadcast on Al Jazeera. That seems like a big stretch for a film composer and rock muser. How did that come about? Well, the um, the Swedes, in, in all of their brilliance, elected a member to the of the to the European Parliament who uh, was a member of what's called the Pirate Party. And the Pirate Party is basically an offshoot of Pirate Bay. For those of you not familiar with Pirate Bay, they were they were at least the uh, foremost file-sharing site, BitTorrent right, yeah. site. Okay. And basically had been thumbing their noses at the United States copyright laws for years. Yep. Um, blatantly, actually, on their site. Just pretty funny, I have to admit, the, the rudest letters you've ever seen written to... Um, <laughs> you know, different different attorneys in the industry, and they publish them on their site. Yeah. But the so they um, without going into all the history of that, they elected um, a member to the European Parliament named Christian Engstrom, and the sole um, issue on their platform was that all intellectual property should be free. And oh, yeah. <laughs> to me, that's you know that's the equivalent of running for. You know, office and saying, I believe that ice cream should be free. Well, yeah. it'd be great if it was free, but the problem is it all comes at a cost. Absolutely. And, and you'll destroy the ice cream industry if you mandate that it's all free. Yeah. And that's what's, what a lot of people don't realize. They don't sit back and think about the value of intellectual property. Forgive me if I go off on a rant here, but. No, but I, I agree with you entirely. So go 70%. I have a friend who is a. Um, a major player in the pharmaceutical industry is a multi-billionaire, and he he commissioned a study and determined that it was somewhere between seventy and seventy-five percent of the uh, economy of the United States is based on intellectual property, one way or the other. Right. So, if you're really going to go after intellectual property, then you apply it across the board. Then, great, let's go for it. Let's. I, I'm actually for that. I'm actually for the abolition of intellectual property rights, but while we're at it, let's abolish banks, let's abolish currency. It all has to go. We're we're going to go into a world, a Star Trekian world, where you know yeah. there's no currency and everything's free. And I love that idea. But meanwhile, let's not use musicians as whipping boys to you know to try this idea out. Yeah, no, I agree. It's not really working so well for them. Okay, so. Final question. Um, what advice do you have for any aspiring musicians, composers, or producers? Mm, um, well, many things. One, learn your craft, and that doesn't mean just being able to play, um, you know, the whatever your guitar hero part is on guitar, or to just simply, um, you know, be able to sing like Pink or whoever. So a person like Pink is extremely well trained in many Absolutely. different uh, styles. She knows what she's doing. The professional musicians I know can actually play many different styles of music, are highly trained people. Mm. You don't necessarily see that, but that's the background. You know, people have been, you know, personally, I started playing classical piano when I was five years old and went through all the schooling, got my degree, and did all that. I, I highly recommend that people. Get the training. Don't don't just count on one aspect of what they do because by the time they get good at that, that style of music is likely to be gone. Yeah. 
And then the next thing I always tell people that, that have gone through all that and they're just coming out of college and getting ready to get into their careers, I said, one thing, just never, ever be home. Don't be at home. You're, right. You've got to be out. You've got to be networking. You've got to be meeting people. Uh, if you're sitting at home watching TV, you're, you're losing. Yep. Right on Absolutely. the spot. Absolutely. So those, those are a couple quick pieces. All right, Richard, thanks very much for taking time out of your schedule to talk to me today on the Bob Pritchard oh, Radio Show. I'm glad that you asked. Thank I you, really Bob. appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you again on Saturday. I'll see you there. Okay. Now, if you'd like okay. to contact Richard, you can go to www.woodshedrecording.com. That's www.woodshedrecording.com. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Show. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is the segment where we speak to people who have achieved remarkable things, who think differently to most of us, and who can assist us all to be better at our businesses, irrespective of what it is that we do. My next guest is also a member of Metal, the fantastic group of high achievers in Los Angeles that uh, I belong to and I've mentioned before. You know, every time I leave a metal meeting, I'm enthusiastic and ready to change the world. And I think the afternoons after that are probably my most productive of the week. Stephen Mead is an American entrepreneur, an executive and strategic advisor. And he's absolutely passionate about growing companies that make a difference to the world. Stephen can catapult an idea from concept to a functioning business. Now... As we all know, creating a business is difficult. And uh, in the past 20 years, Stephen's created, incubated, and driven nine very successful technology-based companies. And one of uh, Stephen's ideas that we chatted about last Saturday, and I really love it, and it's having a tremendous environmental impact, and it's saving a targeted 20 billion gallons of water per year working through children, educating children about water conservation. It's a great idea and I love it. Stephen's the chairman at Big Bamboo, a holding company which incubates startup companies from the innovative idea to being market ready. Stephen's skills are getting together a team with precise skills, knowledge and expertise to move his ideas to market and then he raises the necessary capital required. He's a frequent participant, speaker, and panelist at the Clinton Global Initiative, author of three books and a guest lecturer at universities across the country. Hi, Stephen. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Hey, Bob. How are you? I am terrific. It's a great day outside, beautiful weather, business is good. What else can you ask for? Um, you're involved in so many areas that we could talk about, but 
one that I thought is really important for our listeners, who are predominantly entrepreneurs and SMEs, is your tornado technique. It essentially boils down to cutting through the bullshit, doesn't it? Yeah, it's really a way to just isolate exactly what you want and who you want to meet, uh, as opposed to spending a lot of time talking about what you do. Yeah, all of us frequently get asked what it is that we do, and I suggest 99% of us do it really badly when we answer that question. Um, And most people, I guess, only ask you to be polite. They don't really give a damn what you do, do they? Unless you're in the same field as they are. Well, if if you're in the same field, you may understand what they're talking about, but invariably people sort of have their own lexicon and language and terminology that when they're talking about their business, they, they understand exactly what they're saying in their head. Yeah. But most people don't understand what that person's talking about. Sure. So the tornado technique actually gets involved in the discussion and gives you the information that you can use, doesn't it? Can you just explain to our listeners how the tornado technique works? Yeah, it's really, it's a psychological um type of program and it's really simple it's five steps in sequence and what it says is there's a top level for everybody in business there's an emotional value of what you do it's not a technology value it's not what you do or how you do it there's something emotional or cool about what you do as a company and if you start from there it gives you a basis because people make decisions emotionally and defend them logically right so the top line is what's the emotional value of what you do as a company And then second underneath that are what are some of the industries that you go into. And if you're an existing business, this may be industries that you're in now. If you're a startup, it may be industries you want to go into. Right. And the minute you go from emotional value to industry, you start what's called isolation of faces. You start sequencing down in somebody's mind what it is they think you do and who you do it with. Underneath the industry are companies. And these are companies by name that you want to do business with or you are doing business with. And the minute you start going to a company, then the person in their head and their mind starts seeing companies and they start coming up with ideas and names of people they know. Within those companies, the next sequence down is, who is the specific title of the person you're selling to? Is it a marketing director? Is it a CFO? Is it a technology officer? There's somebody that you sell to in that company and then right. the baseline bottom should be there There needs to be three to five people that you want to meet right now, whether those are companies you want to do business with, whether they're contacts you want or need. Somebody needs to say, who do I want to meet right now? Right. And that's sort of how it works. Emotional value, industry, company, title, name. So when somebody says to you, I, I walk up to you and I say, well, what do you do? What's your answer to that? How do you approach that? Well, that's a a tricky question because one of the techniques I teach is called deflect, defer, and disclose, which means I never answer what I do. Right. So if you were to ask me, I would say, we run an incubator, we create companies anywhere. Hey, tell me more about what you do. And I would actually defer back to you to start asking you more questions to learn more about what you do, what industry you're in. So you just replied in reverse. Yeah, what I actually do is the tornado technique in reverse. I'm Somebody's trying to explain their business to me, and I not only don't understand it, I don't care, and I can't help them by understanding what they do. I can only help them if I understand what they need, and right. what they need are companies or individuals they want to meet. So I actually reverse the tornado when I talk to people. Yeah. Um, but, but to your point, I'll give you a quick example. I use a company we own in Chicago called Rona Star. Yep. And a lot of times people would say, oh, well, what's Ronasar? And in a typical scenario, somebody would explain Ronasar. And Ronasar is, and I do this all the time, it's quite funny. It's, it's an ASP or an SAS where a proprietary electronic platform redeploying assets across an enterprise using electronic currency in advance of an EPS initiative, but after the ERP. Huh? <laughs> exactly. But in my head... I know exactly what I said, and if somebody was in my space, they'd go, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Most people don't get it. Right. So utilizing the tornado technique with Ronastar, hopefully your audience will see how simple this is. So here we go. Here's Ronastar. We're a software company, and what we do is help really large companies save a lot of money. 
big companies are trying to save money. We help them save money. We work best in industries like automotive, manufacturing, government, public schools, really big companies, big industries. Some of the clients we're dealing with are United Airlines, Chicago Public Schools, NASA, and one of the big railroad companies. Mm -hmm. Within those really big companies, though, we sell directly to the CFO. So if you know any CFOs of big companies, I'd love to meet them. And right now we're trying to meet the CFO for the state of California, the city of Los Angeles, and, and L.A. public schools because we think those would be good targets for us. So if you know CFOs or anybody like that, I'd love to talk to them. Right. Okay, so now I've got a handle on what you do. I know what you're looking for, and um, possibly I may know somebody that can help you. Okay, it's um, very few people make an emotional connection. I mean, we've we've all been told over and over again that people's decisions are made emotionally and justified pragmatically, as, as you mentioned earlier. But very few people make any emotional connection whatsoever um, face-to-face in, in their verbal communication or even in in advertising and commercials, I mean, but emotion really is the the center point of the tornado technique, isn't it? Well, it it is, and what's actually funny is I've run into people years later, yeah. and and even if I asked you or your audience, if I said, "What does Ronastar do?" People go, "Oh, you save money," and yeah. I go, "And what do I need?" Oh, you need CFOs. Yeah. All I need them to remember is I save money and I need CFOs how I do it, what it is, technology, cloud-based, ASP, none of that is relevant to I save money and I need CFOs. If you can isolate those two triggers in somebody's mind, then they can really help me because that's what I need. I don't sell software. I talk to CFOs. That's my real business. So how did you get your first start? Just tell me a bit about the early days of Stephen Mead. Well, I joke that I've never had a job because I'm unhirable, um, but it, it took me about 10 years to figure out why. So uh, retail stores in college in Kansas City, wrote three books when I was 20 on credit improvement, had an infomercial at age 21, spent six years in financial services, hiring and training salespeople. Uh, and that's really where I delivered and, and developed a lot of these techniques that I share now is, is how do you get somebody to go out and sell insurance on full commission at night? Mm. And there's a lot of psychology, a lot of evaluation, a lot of building emotional resonance. So I did that for six years. Uh, first internet company in 96, Virtual Sellers, sold that in 99. We've done two enterprise software companies, have a Homeland Security product, a mobile technology in Austin, Texas. And one of the things we're working on now that you let in with is this environmental consumer product called My Wet Rock, which is a device that actually saves water plastic power. Tell, tell, tell our audience how that works. It's, it's so simple well, quite, and it's brilliant. Yeah, thank you. Quite simply, the, the number one waste of water on a daily basis for individuals, especially in domestic countries like North America, is flushing the toilet. Yeah. And there's 220 million toilets that have never been converted in the, in the United States. Wow. And if you could save a half a gallon per flush, it has a great environmental impact, meaning a half a gallon would save about 4,000 gallons of water for a family of four. Yeah. Well, if you save water, you actually save electricity mm-hmm. because it takes electricity to treat and transport sure. water to the home. Yeah. And if you save electricity, you lower the pollution matter and the carbon footprint because less electricity is less pollution. Yep. And you'd save money for the family budget between 25 and $50 a year. So it's a factor we call water, energy, pollution, and savings. It's called WEPS. And it. what we did is developed a device called the Dropbox. And it quite simply is if, if you can visualize a milk jug on its side, a half-gallon milk jug on its side, it looks like a, a brick, but it's shaped like a treasure chest. Right. And the treasure chest, the box is a half-gallon box, and the box drops in the tank of a toilet you know, up top in the receptacle where the water is. It fills with water every time you flush that box captures, saves, and displaces a half a gallon per flush. It, wow. it literally is a piece of recycled plastic in the tank of a toilet. That is so simple and yet fantastic. Um, one of the things that uh, I found intriguing when we were chatting last weekend was that um, all of these ideas are yours. You don't go out and look for some genius that's hanging around that comes up with something brilliant you actually come up with all these brilliant things yourself so 
have you just dis- are you just incredibly smart, or you just disciplined your mind to be able to um, think of? And they're practical things. You know, the things th- oh. that's the other thing that appealed to me was they're just really practical. I, I appreciate that, and I wish it was one of those two. It's actually neither. Okay. I'm I'm OCD on time. I, I hate inefficiency, gaps in time, things that to me don't make sense. Yeah. Uh, and and the, my wet rock, which is what we were talking about, is sort of along those lines. The the story of how the idea came about is really simple. I had read an article out of Australia that was talking about all the problems with water. Yep. And the suggestions were pee outside, pee in the shower, don't flush the toilet. Yeah. And on the first two, I thought, all right, pee outside, don't get caught, pee in the shower, all right, let me try this not flush the toilet kick. (laughs) And I literally was on the, if it's yellow, I mean, it's all of these things to be environmental, I'm now aware, so I said, let me not flush the toilet. And I walked into a bathroom one day, and I hadn't flushed the toilet for, it may have been three days, it may have been a week, I don't recall. All I do remember is, it was really gross, and I thought, (laughs) I can't do this anymore. (laughs) But now I'm emotionally distorted because I'm aware of the problem. I'm guilty if I flush, but I can't live with not flushing the toilet. So my mind went to, how do I solve this problem? Let me get a brick, throw it in the toilet, and then I won't feel guilty because I know I'm saving water. I don't have a brick where I live. So as I'm walking outside, I think I've got these gray rocks. In L.A., you've got these gray river rocks. I thought, oh, if I get that rock and throw it in, it's the same thing. And I'm old enough that I don't know if you or your audience remembers the device, the product years ago called the Pet Rock. Yeah, I remember it well. I was offered it once and I knocked it back. I told the guy he was a lunatic. <laughs> yeah, great product. Gary Dahl created in 1975. Yeah, it literally absolutely. was a box and inside was a rock you took out and put stickers on. Well, that yep. rock were these gray river rocks from Mexico. I actually learned later it's the same rocks. Yep. So the epiphany became, I'm going to take this rock and put it in the water. Yep. So I don't feel guilty when I flush. The rock looks like the pet rock. Oh, but if I put it in the water, it's not a pet rock. It's a wet rock. Wet rock, yeah. And the wet. minute that epiphany fired in my mind, I went, oh, there's something here because people love the environment. Yep. And there's not a company out there that has cool products that help cool the planet. Yep. And, and that's what sort of created the genesis of how do we create a company with a really simple product idea around solving a problem that I think everybody has. We all flush the toilet. So, That's right. But, yeah, so I didn't set about to solve the problem. It was more me feeling guilty for not flushing and didn't <laughs> want to feel guilty anymore. Okay. Stephen, thanks very much for squeezing me into your busy schedule today. I know how busy you are. I really do appreciate it. Now, if you're listening and you'd like to know more about the tornado technique, there's a great video on YouTube at www.bit. Dot ly slash tornado technique so that's www.bit.ly forward slash tornado technique so if you're interested Can in I, yep oh i'm sorry just real quick go for it the, that that link just for your audience and your listeners is cap sensitive so i think the t's are both capital the on t's, that the t's are both caps now if yeah, you're both interested, capital for tornado technique thanks now, if you're interested in having Stephen speak at your next conference, you can contact Steve at Stephen dot with a ph dot mead at big bamboo llc dot com. That's Stephen dot mead at big bamboo llc dot com. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible bob pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight talking troubleshooter for fortune 500 companies and smes across the world Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, 
kick-ass business and marketing secrets at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Business Show. Coming to you from Los Angeles. It's beautiful here today. I mentioned that earlier, but it's just gorgeous. We really appreciate all the emails that you send us each week. And we do do our best to answer them and to discuss the issues that you tell us that you want to talk about. Um, I can't answer all of the emails on air, but um, I will answer all emails, and I do answer all emails. So if um, I don't read it on air, you won't get a book, but I will send you an email with, um, with an answer to your questions. So keep them flooding in, and uh, I enjoy it. It keeps me on my toes. The first email tonight is from Jonathan Ellis from Bridgeport, Illinois. Jonathan writes, Dear Bob, thanks for a great educational program. There are many programs about business for CEOs, but none that I can find apart from yours for the average businessman like me. Keep it up. The program helps me a lot. Well, thanks very much, Jonathan. I appreciate that. I get that comment quite often. Um, There is another great show that you should listen to. You should listen to Business Rockstars. Um which is out of Los Angeles with my mate Ken. And uh, that also is a terrific show. It's on um, every day from two till four, so don't miss it. Uh, Jonathan continues, I was at a business meeting the other day and a number of the larger companies were complaining about the difficulty in finding good employees. With 15 million unemployed, I find this extraordinary. Well, Jonathan, that's a pretty good question. And I actually think that the whole thing's bullshit. Um, you know, we've had disappointing unemployment reports recently, and uh, there's another unemployment report I think coming out this week, uh, which I hope's a lot better. And uh, this has focused attention on why American companies aren't hiring. Now, employers claim that they can't find qualif- qualified applicants, despite the millions of unemployed that are seeking work. Yet roughly 10% of employers admit that the problem is really that the candidates they want won't accept the positions at the wage levels that are being offered. So that's not a skill shortage. That's employees simply being unwilling to pay the going price for staff. And data released by Manpower shows that only 15% of employers who say there's a skills shortage say that the issue is a lack of candidate knowledge. Instead, the most important shortfall that they see is a lack of experience doing similar jobs. Employers are not looking to hire entry-level applicants right out of school. They want experienced candidates who can contribute immediately with no training or start-up time. Now, we have to retrain. We've got about 15 million 20th century jobs out there and we have to retrain people and it's not the government's job to retrain people you know they can help with some people but we have all these corporations sitting on huge caches of cash and they really should get off their ass and go and train people you know it's in their best interest in the short term and it's in their best interest in the long term um an Accenture survey in 2011 found that only 21% of US employees had received any employer-provided formal training in the past five years. Does it make sense to keep vacancies unfilled for months to avoid having to give new hires with less than perfect skills time to get up to speed? It doesn't. It's stupid. Employers further complicated the hiring process by piling more and more job requirements onto each applicant expecting that in a down market somewhere there is somebody who's highly qualified is going to fall over themselves to work for them. 
Ain't going to happen. We'll send you out a copy of Marketing Magic, a book that I wrote with Brian Tracy, Jay Conrad, Levinson, Robert Bly and others. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Don't forget to send in your questions. Email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook and Google+. I hope you enjoyed today's show and I look forward to being with you again at the same time next week. So until next time, have a fantastic and successful week and go out and kick some butt. This is Bob. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.